Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 21. Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you, and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread, or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand. But there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us on, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before Yahweh to be replaced by a hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before Yahweh. His name was Doeg, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? This is the word of the Lord. A lot of things happening here so very quickly. It's a short chapter for us, and David continues to be deceitful and continues his lies. He lies to the, the high priest here. He lies um, to the king of Gath and to the other men of Gath. So not everything David did was to be upheld by us as, as being a good and, and, and wonderful thing to exist for us to examine and do. Now, we're going to start with verse 1. We have uh, this location called Nob. It is just a few miles off to the northeast of Jerusalem. Ahimelech has been serving there as the priest. Now, as he sees David, he comes out trembling. This isn't the first time this has happened in this book. You might recall as Samuel is fleeing from Saul. And he's seeking to anoint David king. He doesn't know David yet. He's seeking to anoint the new king in Bethlehem. When he arrives at Bethlehem, the people of Bethlehem are trembling. So both the, the Bethlehemites and Ahimelech are sharing a fear of King Saul and what Saul might do to them if he finds out that they, 
they've done something against him. In fact, that's going to come true in chapter 22 here for Ahimelech. As Saul is going to make use of, of this man Doeg, the Edomite, to actually kill the priests. We'll see that in tomorrow's text. So David tells a lie, makes up this story that he's on an errand for the king, and he's going to meet some young men in another location, which he doesn't tell the priest where, but just somewhere else. So he asks for aid, whatever he can give. He's looking for food, and he's also looking for a weapon. Those are the two things he has in mind. The priest is going to offer him something he shouldn't have. Uh, the priest is going to offer up the bread of the presence. And this is holy bread that has been set aside. It's been reserved for the Levites to eat. This is bread for the priests and for their families. Um, it's part of the, the tabernacle, the, the setup of the Lord's house at that time. As you come inside the tent, the table of the bread of the presence is there. It also has a flagon on it for wine. And so hopefully that's already connecting your mind to the idea of the New Testament and the Lord's Supper celebrated with Jesus. There is a, a definite connection there with the table of the bread of the presence, the presence of Jesus, the presence of God with his people was the point of that whole thing. If you want to learn more about the bread of the presence, it's not a very long section, but Leviticus chapter 24, it's verses 5 through 9. You can read a little bit more about it there. In some ways, this would be like coming into the church today um, starving and, and somebody knows the, the pastor or the priest knows that the person is in, in bad shape needs food don't have anything on hand and so we offer what we do have on hand and that's the communion bread uh, the wafers in most churches today um, we can get around that a lot more easily because stores are nearby we have vehicles we can drive places that kind of thing but Ahimelech offers what he has Jesus actually picks up on this in Matthew chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. Uh, the Pharisees are upset that the, the disciples have been picking heads of grain on the Sabbath, that they're working on the Sabbath to eat. And Jesus is going to use this text as an example for why, um, well, essentially the idea that man is not made to follow laws, but laws are made in order to benefit man. So the laws of God, including the Sabbath, for us to follow is for our benefit. We weren't made to follow the Sabbath. This idea of the bread being reserved for the priest was for our benefit. The priests and their families need to eat. But here, here's a man who's in need, and so the priest is going to give it to him. He's going to give him some bread to help care for him. That's the idea Jesus is going to get at in Matthew chapter 12 with the Pharisees. We're, we haven't mentioned that Doeg has been detained before Yahweh in verse 7. I can't give you any more on that. I don't know why he's detained. It could be a punishment. It could be that he was unclean. It could be he's made some kind of vow. It could be some other things too. So we just don't know on that one what that means. In verse 9, the sword of Goliath shows up. This could be one to ask your family or your children, how does the sword of Goliath end up in the tabernacle, in the care of the priest? 
What's the connection here? Why would it be with him? The answer really is going to be it's the idea of sacredness. The sword of Goliath at this point would be a reminder of God's victory for Israel, that God defended his people, that God saved his people from the Philistines. So we can then take that question a little further. The sword of Goliath is in the tabernacle as that reminder of what God has done for his people. When you go to church, what is there? What do you see that is a reminder for you of God's victory for his people? One of the first things that should come to mind is the cross on the on the wall. Now you think of the cross of Jesus on Good Friday as he died to forgive us of all of our sins. I think it's a coincidence that a sword is actually shaped like a cross. Anyway, good conversation you can have. There's more than just the cross in your church. In fact, everything up in the front of your church is there to point you to Jesus and what he's done for you. So, that could be a wonderful conversation to have with your pastor someday. Pastor, why? what's this thing for? Why is it here? Why do we have this? Why do we do this in worship? Good questions. The ephod in verse 9 is the chest plate that the priest is supposed to wear over his other priestly garments, uh, specifically the high priest. Verse 10, David flees. Uh, continues to flee. He ends up in in Philistia. He's in the Philistine city of Gath before their king. And it's interesting that they identify David, not just David, they identify David the king. They know. They're aware of what God has done, that God has anointed David and plans to have David rule over his people. That's that's fascinating that the, the Philistines get this. It seems like Saul got it in chapter 20 as he speaks to his son, Jonathan, and now the Philistines get it too. Hmm. And then, uh, again, more deceit here as David pretends to be a madman um, to hide himself, protect himself from Akish. It's a failure to trust in God's protection like he had with Goliath. I mean, Goliath was a massive enemy. David... In human terms, David stood no chance, but he went into the battle anyway because he trusted in the Lord to care for him. And yet here, he fails to do that and instead trusts in himself to rescue himself. That's trouble. We'll see where it goes.